Welcome back to the Letters and Layers podcast. It's your host, Amaka. It is Wednesday, October 25th, when I am recording this intro and just finishing my patience for the morning. I have a few hours break before I get into my second job in the evening, but just wanted to talk quickly about what to expect on this episode I am so very excited to have conducted my first interview, yay, (laughs) for this podcast. I will be talking with Dr. Janelle Perkins Muhammad, licensed marriage and family therapist, about her book, Into Me See, Mastering Black Intimacy for the Relationship You've Always Wanted. And just to give you a quick background on her professional career thus far, Dr. Janelle Perkins Muhammad is a psychotherapist, licensed family therapist, and South Carolina State Supervisor with more than 20 years of experience in relationship and life coaching. She's a graduate of the University of Maryland and Capella University. Dr. Janelle is a consultant on TV1's hit show, Fatal Attraction. She has been featured in Skirt Magazine, Newsweek, Charleston Magazine, and Vice Magazine. She has been seen on the Afro News Chicken Box, Divorce.com, Fox 24 Charleston, Low Country Live, ReCG, Black Family Table Talk, Growth State of Mind, and Her Point of View. Her lived experience with blended families, adoption, divorce, family personality disorders are key to her ability to bring research to life. A native of the DMV, she now lives in Charleston, South Carolina. Dr. Janelle has her pulse on our community's mental and emotional health. She is licensed in Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, and South Carolina. In her private group practice, they assist individuals, families, and couples in rehabilitating, repairing, and revitalizing their commitment to authentic living as a characteristic for building healthy relationships and vibrant communities. Her recent book, Into Me See, explores the cultural and personal factors that can make it challenging for Black couples to develop and maintain intimacy while offering solutions that strengthen their unity. Dr. Janelle is a capacity expander who believes the greatest generational wealth that can be bestowed is mental and emotional wellness. Dr. Janelle and I had a fantastic conversation around her new book, and I hope that you guys will love this upcoming interview. And without further ado, here is myself and Dr. Janelle. Dr. Janelle... Thank you so much for coming on to the Letters and Layers podcast. You are my first guest after doing this podcast for over two years. Oh, wow. Yes. (laughs) So thank you so much. Uh, I'm glad to have connected with your team. I'm really excited to have read your book. And I am also very excited to talk to you about the book today. So ultimately, why don't you just give us a little bit of insight into how the book came about and how the process was with writing it. 
Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, I count it a great privilege to be able um, to have a platform where I get an opportunity to talk about intimacy in and of itself, Mm -hmm. um, and even more so intimacy as it pertains to African-American people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a little bit different, and it can be challenging uh, to understand some of the nuances from time to time. So I actually started writing this book probably more than, goodness, 20 years ago. Mm. And it started out because I come from a long family of entrepreneurs and ministers, whether it's preachers and bishops and um, elders and so forth in my family. And so the business side of it was a matter of writing about the business of marriage Mm -hmm. because... We had a host of family members that were in business as family, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. Um, And so the marital relationships had some challenges because you're working all day with your mate Mm -hmm. and your spouse and your family members. So it was the business of marriage. And then the other component was that my parents being ministers of marriage excellence and finance... Um, I had this bird's eye, fly on the wall kind of view of all the people who would come through our home or their office at the church for counseling. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I noticed was what I call the recidivism of counseling, that these individuals were returning over and over again. And sometimes for the same issue or concern. And... I decided at that point that I'd go back and get my master's in marriage and family therapy because there had to be something that was missing. Yeah. And that's how I came to this book is that I recognized that there's a layer of intimacy and communication on a cognitive and emotional, a spiritual, and then a physical level that we don't get in that spiritual component of, and I hate to say it like just going to the church because I believe we just need to go because mm-hmm. <laughs> we need that as well. Yeah. Um, But sometimes we have this incredible grasp for holding on to those spiritual things without some of the practical steps to how do we make this marriage, this intimate connection, this relationship work. I love that, you know, you highlight so many different, well, four main components in the book, because I do definitely agree, especially being um, someone who grew up in the church, the spiritual component is so emphasized to the point where it is, you know, it's almost detrimental to black couples because they think, oh, if we're both Christians, if we believe in God, you know, um, we'll be okay. And then you find that, or they find that they are unhappy in their relationships. And ultimately having these four components that you write about in the book is what makes it to where these couples can be much more, like the likelihood of them being successful and happy in these relationships, whether they are Christian or not, regardless of the denomination, I think makes it so that they are um, have a higher likelihood of being happy with who they are with. 
Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Um, what I find in the research is that from a um, theoretical perspective, there are different ways of communicating that don't necessarily line up with just calling those things that be not as though they were Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or don't line up with the idea that a wife who is um, following the principles of Christ can change her husband just by her own act of servitude and love and gratitude and that those that both people have to be connected and intentional about sharing with one another who they are and what they've experienced Mm -hmm. about the safety of being connected emotionally and being vulnerable. And then about the spiritual piece, which is the core belief and values that each are walking through life with. Yeah. And if we don't, do those practical steps of understanding how to communicate, how to be emotionally safe, how to be vulnerable, um, how to uh, provide a space where we can talk about what those beliefs and values are, how we came to those. Then rarely we do we get to the, the physical connection, which really kind of pulls us all together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In a Christian sense, we have a tendency to focus on don't do that physical thing until you get married, which I mean, I don't have a problem with it. That's the way you believe it. Mm -hmm, No mm -hmm. problem there. But the focus is on that being so much of a sin. And it's not on what do we do to create these incredibly connected environments between two people where this physical thing is not the end all to be all yeah yeah and i think that's a really good segue into just the title of the book in into me see which is a play on the word intimacy i am curious Mm -hmm. how you decided ultimately to name the book that well it's interesting because i remember sitting in a Um, a service and hearing a pastor talk about into Nisi and not necessarily turning it into intimacy, Mm -hmm. but take, you know, take this time and let's all look at what God has called us to do and what he has called us to be. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting years later thinking about that and thinking that's an intimate relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. Even. So if we are made in the image of Christ and we are to have this deeply intimate relationship with him and our relationships become a reflection of that, then wouldn't we do an into me see an intimate seeing into one another? Yeah. You can't do that, though, until you do the first piece, which is the intimate look at you. Who am I? What do I want? How do I want to get there? What do I like? What do I not like? So that you can then look at, okay, who is this other person? And then how do we become what we want to manifest in the earth? So when it comes to that, what you have just said, my mind is kind of developing this image of a couple coming into your office you are meeting them for the first time, they introduce themselves, Mm -hmm. and they start to tell you what their challenges are. 
with Mm -hmm. how you've written the book and what you offer folks who read it, how would you now approach kind of embarking with them, partnering with them on their journey towards change and improvement in their relationship and, you know, getting to the point where they deepen that intimacy with each other by looking into themselves Mm -hmm. for, you know, the betterment of them as individuals and then them as a unit? Mm-hmm. Well, the first piece is when a couple walks into my office and I've already taken a look at their assessments and their intake forms. Mm-hmm. The first question I actually ask is what is going well? Okay. What are you doing that you really like and you, you enjoy about your relationship? And then we delve into what would you like to change and why would you like to make those changes and adjustments? Mm -hmm. Because now we're talking about a couple, generally speaking, who has already made a commitment to be in this marital relationship. And that's a different couple from the one who is thinking about getting into a marital relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The choices that you have once you've made that commitment begin to change because you now, if, as long as you're not in a situation where you're being harmed or in a situation where your um, physical health, your emotional, your mental health is obviously having some challenges, right? Mm-hmm. But as long as you're not in a situation where your physical health is being challenged, then now we can work on what it looks like to become this relationship that you've always wanted. And that means that suddenly we have to open up this Pandora's box of what was your history like before? What did you experience that tells you that it's okay to be dismissive of one another's emotional Mm -hmm. um, safety? What did you experience that tells you that it's okay for you to have a heavy hand about being the head of the household or she has to be submissive? Where did that come from? And what does that look like for your relationship? Breaking that down is really what gets people to the space where they go, my word, I've been living according to someone else's expectations Mm -hmm. for what we are supposed to be doing. So kind of following up on that, you mentioned how folks' behavior, you know, as adults impacts how they show up in their relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. And it makes me think about how trauma as far back as infancy, childhood, toddlerhood, Um, even though we may feel like it's not impacting us as adults, I'm sure you find in your sessions with your clients, you see how it comes up, you know? Um, So I'm curious how you find that trauma plays a role in the couples that you see and how they interact with each other. Well, it's very interesting because a lot of the time we, as a community, the black community, we sweep a number of things under the carpet Mm -hmm. and we just think that, you know, it'll just go away on its own. But at some point, someone's going to step on that 
And that problem is going to ooze out from under the carpet. And depending on how traumatic it is, and I'll, I'll speak from a big T trauma, which is more along the lines of um, war and um, being in situations like 9-11 mm-hmm. or living in environments where there's high levels of violence or environments where there's high levels of violence mm-hmm. um, to little T trauma, which might be um, seeing uh, uh George Floyd, for example, right. uh, murdered on television, which is a vicarious trauma. Right. Um, a little T trauma, like um, maybe being locked out of the house because you forgot your key mm-hmm. and it got dark before your parents got home. Mm-hmm. That can be traumatic. So what I began to realize from my training is that we have these attachment styles that develop as a result of some of the trauma that we experience. Mm-hmm. And those attachment styles begin to inform how we connect with the people around us. And so if you have, for example, a secure attachment style because your parents were available to you, they provided safety of emotional expression, Mm -hmm. then it's more... Um, it's easier for you to be able to express yourself, state what you like and what you want to see, to be accepting of other people's perspectives. Right. If your parents didn't always provide for you and you weren't sure where maybe your next meal was coming from or if they were going to keep you safe in a particular instance, mm-hmm. then you might have more of an anxious or a preoccupied attachment style because you're thinking about how am I going to take care of me? Right. So it becomes difficult to have empathy for another. If you've lived in a fearful avoidance space, then that means maybe you had your caregivers um, were constantly yelling or there were lots of spankings or people were slapped around at you know the drop of uh, the wrong tone of voice. Mm-hmm then you're going to begin to avoid having any type of conflict, even when the conflict is healthy, because you just need to get an answer to a question. Right. And the same with dismissive avoidant. If you were not appreciated where you, everything you did had to have a trophy connected to it in some way, or um, they pushed you away like, okay, yeah, 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 you did a good job, and it was dismissive, then you become avoidant of even expressing to anyone that you might have done something well or that they did. That's going to show up in romantic relationships. So how do you know as the therapist and counselor to the couples, how do you know that they're, interactions and their overall dynamic is improving from when they first start seeing you to however long it may take to start seeing change in one or both partners well when it's funny because most of my clients are in front of me we're in person right every now and again i'm doing um, telehealth therapy and so um i can literally see the difference in body language I can see how um, they smile at one another, how much closer they're sitting to one another on the couch. Mm -hmm. Um, I can literally hear in their voices the joy. When they come through the doors, they start talking about what's going well immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
they I some of the homework I give is to look for what's going well and acknowledge it mm-hmm. openly speak about it um I hear them talk about changes in their children which is huge yeah yeah that's beautiful because our, our kids are a reflection of what they're seeing in the household so There are so many ways to be able to see change happening through therapy that even their friends and family are seeing just in their everyday interactions with one another. At work, they show up happier, Mm -hmm. more pleasant. So it impacts every area of their lives, which is why I I focus so much on the mental health component of it, because I recognize that that attachment style, that understanding your history from that cognitive emotional space is vital to understanding how your mental health is impacted, which therefore is going to impact every relationship you have, whether it's a romantic one or a platonic one. So I'm kind of curious, you know, with the work that you have done for, you know, several years and the success that you've seen, how has your work and how has this book impacted you as a marriage and family therapist? So the impact for me personally has been quite tremendous. Um, I had to make a decision in a 23-year marriage about what I really wanted and whether or not the other person was able to work toward the same goal of having a healthier relationship. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered was that that mental health component is probably the most vital in our community. We don't always think about mental health as a, uh, a place of sanctuary and safety and solitude that allows us to flourish because we dismiss anxiety and depression or bipolar disorders or um, narcissistic personality disorders. Mm -hmm. So we don't even sometimes go get the therapy. So the biggest way that it ended up impacting me was that we had a diagnosis within our relationship and that diagnosis was for him and he decided he would rather not be married any longer. Mm. And I had to accept that and grieve through that. Because in all actuality, I agreed with the decision. He wanted to stay in a particular space. And that space was very harmful, physically, emotionally, mentally for me. So that's the greatest impact that the work has had on me. The greatest impact that the work has had on my desire to continue in the community is watching couples make full transformations, pull their families back together Mm -hmm. after some really hard lessons around infidelity, around um, death within families, Mm. losing their children, um, having to make decisions about boundaries and Mm. expectations. That's huge where they decided to stay together 
and they worked on it. And now they're manifesting the fullness of whatever that is that God wants for them and their family. Do you think that the the perspective in the black community on the the importance of mental health and talking about that. Do you think the tide is turning to where people are becoming more open and honest about how it impacts them? I definitely think the black community is making a turn toward accepting that mental health and mental illness is real. And I think that that is happening because we have a new generation that is more accepting and open to new perspectives. Mm, I agree. There was once a time where we were hard chargers, everybody, right? We just had to get in there, get it done, and that's just the way it is. And suddenly, we started to ask our children, how do you feel about it? Mm -hmm. What do you think? What is your opinion? And we sometimes got into the space where people had a fit about everybody can't have a trophy. But I almost think that to some degree that everybody getting a level of a trophy began this process of talking about why. Yeah. Why is there um, anxiety? Why is there depression that's hidden? Why don't we see it until someone or acknowledge it? Let me put it that way acknowledge it until someone has completed suicide why do we just put uncle joe up in the bedroom and take him a plate when we could have him receive services that might make him a fully functional part of this household right Mm -hmm. and i know it's a jump it's a leap it's a stretch to connect the fact that we're giving our kids these trophies with why uncle joe is up in that room But if we really think about it, it's not that far of a leap when you consider that we're now being more empathetic, that we're now recognizing that, I mean, if Jesus could go and heal, Mm -hmm. why can't we therefore allow Uncle Joe to come down so we can all talk about his healing? Oh, wow. Um, I think that I definitely agree. I think that the tide is turning. I also very much agree, especially in my experience, too, with clients that the younger generation has been so much more open and transparent and they care less about what people will think and more are just focused on their mental health in every essence of the word, like making sure they are functioning as optimally as they can mentally because they, I think, have a better understanding of how that impacts their day-to-day. Or maybe not that, but they are just so much more aware of how Mm -hmm. it impacts them, you know, from when they wake up to when they go to sleep. And I think that attitude is kind of rippling out into mm-hmm. their nuclear families and then their extended families. And then it gets to a point where you can't really act like it's not there anymore. You know, you have to, Agreed. at the very least, even if you're not kind of like a sounding board or maybe you're not the one kind of screaming it out in the streets, but at the very least, you're starting to do some introspective work. Mm -hmm. And from there, you know, things, 
ideally only improve. And it takes time, you know, from generations to generations, the progress can be slow. But mm-hmm. I think that we are moving in a hopeful direction. And I'm curious if you agree. I do agree. I think that a, a major part of it also is the fact that many churches are beginning to marry mental health and ministry. Yes, absolutely. And they are talking about the pastor getting therapy and they're talking about the ministers getting therapy and what they discovered and learned about setting boundaries um, and and about setting expectations that are um, clear and concise and reasonable expectations. And we have a whole internet that really has opened up our ability to understand what yes. the symptoms truly are. Yeah, that plays a huge role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That DSM-5 is not available to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and so having an internet that speaks to the fact that anxiety and depression usually co-occur and they also have comorbidity with them. So mm-hmm. it's likely that if you have anxiety and depression, there's also potentially going to be high blood pressure or right. heart disease or right. diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. The way you eat is going to yes. impact your your energy and if you exercise or not that's going to impact those endorphins and Mm -hmm. dopamine and Mm -hmm. i mean we are now at a space in our community where i think we recognize that we can be addicted to more things than just a drug Mm -hmm. or alcohol you can be addicted to drama drama d-r-a-m-a yes absolutely (laughs) where you literally need that dopamine push of being in everybody's tea and spilling (laughs) you're not wrong (laughs) you're not i mean and there are of course addictions to food because of the sugars Mm -hmm. and the saccharins and you know all that kind of thing yeah but there's also the addiction to shopping And that is a covering of that anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. because it's not just about looking good. It's about masking what's really happening. Yeah. So I think in our communities, we're opening our eyes to the fact that there's so much more to mental health and mental illness. And I separate those on purpose. Because we have a tendency to say mental health and then just kind of gloss over the fact that there is an illness that could come behind it. Right, right. And let's be real. When you think about one in four now since the pandemic, one in four experiencing a mental illness in a 12-month period, we're not talking about those individuals who carry it over into the next year, mm-hmm. the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. These are only those who are diagnosed. Yeah. One in four. And in our community, we only make up about 14% of the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. And when you stop and think about 7 million African Americans are diagnosed with a mental illness. Seven million. So that's the the cities of, and I'm going to say approximate because I know that's not an exact number, Mm -hmm. but we're talking all the population in cities like Philadelphia, Chicago, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and right. And, and, um, like the Washington DC area. Right. 
the entire population, that's a lot of people diagnosed. So imagine how many are undiagnosed. Right. Who are just trying to make their way through life. And if you're in a relationship with someone and there's mental illness, we'll call it as, as small as low-grade anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. as as deep as schizophrenia or um, even um, Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and dementia mm-hmm. go in the same space, right? Right. Then we're talking about the people you're impacting as well. Yeah. I, you know, in, in an attempt to kind of round out the interview, I am curious if there's one thing you would want the listeners of this episode to take away. What would that be for you? The greatest generational wealth we can bestow is emotional and mental wellness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can spend our lifetimes attempting to amass financial wealth to leave to the next generation. And if they are not emotionally and mentally well, they will blow it and it won't even make it to generations beyond. Dr. Janelle, thank you so much for this interview. You know, I I, I read this book a couple months ago and I feel like I have an even deeper understanding of the insight that you shared and I think that the listeners of this episode will take away so much at the very least it will it will prompt them to just think a little bit deeper about themselves and the relationships in their life and if maybe they need to seek out help in one form or another so I appreciate you so much thank you again for being my first interview Um, You're absolutely welcome. I appreciate this conversation, and I highly recommend this book. Um, There's going to be a link to the book in the description of this episode. And how can listeners contact you? There are a host of ways. (laughs) So drjanelle.com. Okay. And my number is there. Okay. My practice is tmicounselingandcoaching.com. Okay. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Janelle, and that's D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-L-L-E. Mm-hmm. And my practice is on Instagram at TMI.counseling. And then I do a little bit of TikToking. Okay. It gets a little funny yeah. from time to time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on TikTok, it's Dr. Janelle, or I'm sorry, D-R dot Janelle, okay. J-E-A-N-N-E-L-L-E, L-M-F. Okay. LMFT as in licensed family and marriage Marriage. therapist. Got you. Marriage and family therapist. Got Mm -hmm. you. Okay. Thank you so much again. And that's it. Thank you guys for listening. And we will speak to you soon. Bye-bye. So there you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Dr. Janelle. It was an amazing opportunity to talk with her. The book she wrote provides so much insight into what I believe is a really important topic when it comes to relationships, not only with black couples, but with everyone. Um, But I think it's something that is never overstated in how important it is to analyze it when it comes to our relationships.
So as always, thank you so much for listening. Please reach out to me via my contact information in the description. Please share, please recommend this interview or past episodes. If you know anyone who would benefit or would appreciate listening, please reach out to me. Um, Please rate and review. And thank you so much as always. Appreciate you guys and love you all. Thank you so much. Bye.